Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 418. But I think the, the most important thing that anybody who is enduring anything is that you state your discomfort. You state that it's something that you're, you don't feel good about, you're uncomfortable with, you don't think is appropriate. But you have to state that um, because I think people are either going to be like, oh, well, oh, gee, gosh, I'm so sorry. Or they're going to persist. And when they persist, then they're telling you that they, you know, they don't really care what you, what you say. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable, and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. Who loves doing paperwork? No one. Sorcery is an efficient online AP automated solution for the food service industry and restaurants, large and small, are using Sorcery to provide a scalable solution to help them create efficiencies and ultimately grow their business while impacting their bottom line. To learn more, head to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com. And be sure to mention Restaurant Unstoppable to get your first month free. With excitement, allow me to introduce you back on the show for a second time. Kate Edwards. Kate, are you feeling unstoppable today, my friend? You know it, Eric. Every yes, time. yes. Uh, so this is Kate's, like I said, second time on the show. If you want to listen to the first episode, that's episode two twenty three, where we kind of dive into Kate's book, Hello, and everything, every little thing that matters. Uh, but throughout her thirty years in the service industry, Kate has learned firsthand how to manage high volume and high standards, as well as how to fix operations that were poorly managed or on their way out, with a mission to bring excellence service to patrons of the service industry. Kate launched her full service hospitality consulting business in 2007. In addition to being an instructor in writing for many publications, Kate, like we already mentioned, is the author of Hello and Every Little Thing That Matters. So this is your introduction. I can't wait to dive into today's topic of discussion or multiple topics of discussion, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away. All right. I don't fear the man who has practiced a kick, 10,000 uh, 10, kicks. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Ooh. And that's from Bruce Lee. And I think it's so, so uh, thoughtful. Because when you first read it, you're like, well, no. I mean, I wanna, I mean why isn't the guy who does 10,000 things more scary? No, the guy who's done one thing 10,000 times, that's the, that's the dude you got to watch out for. You know, so I think it's a great message about, <laughs> well, because that's somebody who's honed their mm-hmm. skill. Yep. They've honed that thing. They know it down, 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 down to every little aspect. So, you know, I think it's like, yeah, you can do a million things, but why not do one thing really, really well? Yeah. And, you know, that's so true. And one of the biggest lessons I picked up doing all these interviews uh, 
don't try to be everything to everyone. Focus on what you do well and then do it the best. Uh, and Correct. it's it's so much easier to pull out ahead. And when you're just known for that one thing, when you specialize in one thing, uh, your odds of success are much more higher. So great way to get this thing started. I love it. Um, so I've invited Kate back on the show because it's the holiday season. I'm, I'm trying to give our restaurant tours a break. I don't want to harass people during the busiest time of the year. Uh, and Kate was just such a great guest the first time around. I said, Kate, like, come back. Tell me what you want to talk about. Let's just kind of go for it. And Kate offered some some suggested uh, topics for conversation. So uh, one of those first topics was just being aware of customer service or the unaware customer service rep. So what do you mean by that? Well, I found recently that I have clients coming to me and they're like, I've got more and more people who don't realize that they're representing the brand or um, that they have to speak to customers. And it's because more and more concepts are open, meaning they have open kitchens, they have um, multiple different areas for serving, and there's people who wouldn't normally be a customer-facing individual, but now there's more people who are customer-facing. So I think it's, it's in restaurants, but it's also outside of restaurants. But I think it's an interesting concept that there are people who are like, I didn't sign up to be a customer service person, but there you are on the open line, and you know your boss is going to look for you to represent the brand and you know, smile and engage with people. So, okay. What is your advice for, uh, somebody who's experiencing the situation of, uh, I guess maybe going, having the back and forth with their back of house staff saying, Hey, well, guess what? Now you're front of house too. Right. So, you know, I think the first part is to when you're when you're building your concept, everyone's like, oh, I want an open kitchen. But if you're going to do an open kitchen or if you're going to have people um, cooking food and then serving that food, you have to be very clear on what your brand is. And if your brand is we're going to develop, we're going to deliver an amazing customer service experience, you've got to let people know up front that that's what we're looking for. So even when you're hiring people, you've got to be aware that that person's got to have a spark that they can't um, be a moody loner. They've got to be somebody that can look someone in the eye, even if they're shy, but look somebody in the eye and, you know, say welcome or hi, or how can I help you? Or can I get your order started? Or um, here, I want you to try XYZ coming out of the kitchen. So it starts with hiring and it starts with the owner um, and the operator saying customer service is going to be uh, addressed at all these different levels. And so we need to hire people who can do that job. Which is kind of a bummer for the more introverted type people who want to just be in the back of house and put their head down and do their work, which a lot of those jobs are kind of, I guess, going away, or maybe they should be working in more like the, the hotel environment where you're like kind of hidden. Like, what do you suggest for those people who don't really care to be face to face with customers? Well, that's the thing. That's why I said it has to happen at hiring because if you've got somebody who really is not that type of person, that that's really not fair to them either to, to take a job without the understanding that this is the expectation. So you do have to be clear on the expectation. But let's say, you know, somebody's not really thinking about that. And this is what I've noticed is, you know, it's people who are like, oh, yeah, we didn't really think about the fact that these these folks have to be now nice and friendly and they're not really good at it. Um, but even for introverts, I'm even an introvert, um, it's 
possible to learn skills. So it's about training people and giving them options and having them speak out loud and do, you know, role play sort of stuff so that they can start to gain the skills of customer service, which includes things like I said, you know, looking people in the eye, learning how to smile a little bit more easily, um, taking time to engage people and listen. Um, but if somebody doesn't really want to do that, they're, you know, they're probably not going to do that. Yeah. So you have to, you have to be clear on the expectation. Good point. So what I'm the big things I'm taking away from this conversation is if you plan on doing the open concept, you really have to uh, censor and filter uh, for people who are, uh, I guess, more on the extroverted social side who are willing to take that level up a notch to to be offering service while actually cooking too, and to I don't know, just the, 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 so, the social type, uh, you, you really got to right. work that into your, your filtering process when hiring. Uh, no longer can you just hire people with good kitchen experience. They also have to bring that customer service level to the game too. That's right. Uh, Absolutely. Cool. Uh, there was another part of that too, that you mentioned. I'm trying to joggle my memory. I was sharpening my pencil while you were talking because it broke and I wasn't able to write it down. Um, <laughs> uh, let me think here. You were talking about, Oh, the training aspect. So yeah, Dive a little bit more into that. I know, is this one of the things you're teaching over at Tipsy on their platform? That just that, that, that service level of, uh, just the, the subtle things like the eye contact, like the smiling, like what things should we be teaching our, our staff, uh, to kind of bring it up to the next level if we haven't taught them yet? Well, it's interesting because one of the um, most viewed uh, videos that I did at Tipsy was the one on how to how to do customer service if you're shy. Mm. And um, you know, like I said, shy is I was I was shy, I was very shy. I was petrified to talk to people when I was younger. My face would turn bright red. My lips would tremble. Um, but it's a skill that you developed. And for me, it was something that I didn't want to be shy. I didn't want to be petrified um, when I came in contact with strangers. So it was something that I, I sort of made myself learn. Um, but in terms of training, you know, as an operator, as a manager, you have to get people to speak out loud. You have to get them to train with others. Um, you can't just give them a handbook and say, here you go, now show up and do it. You've really got to test their skills and give them options in, in, in real life. Um, and that that's the thing that I think a lot of folks sort of, they they don't spend the time on that, which means then they have people who are thinking that maybe they could do it, but they really haven't practiced it because all these things are things you can practice, hone, get better at. And really the, the key is to get comfortable at because even if you're a shy person, there's something charming about being a shy person and, and meeting someone else. People identify that you're shy, but you're giving it a shot. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like to be authentic in mm-hmm. your shyness, there's, there's really nothing wrong with that. It's okay to sort of look look at somebody and then look down a little bit. Like that's that's perfectly okay. But to not to not look somebody in the eye, to not smile, um, to be off-putting, that would be something we don't want somebody to be in the situation. Um, so we, we need to train how, how to get out of your um, comfort zone and build a new comfort zone in you know, connecting with others. So I'm curious, what does that training look like? If, if we wanted to start training our staff, like what steps would we take? How do we set that up? 
Well, it's all about practicing with others. So in a training situation, we would, um, you know, divide the group into half. Half of the group would be the play the guest and half the, the group would pay the, you know, whatever, the, whatever their role is, whether it's a server, barista, um, prep cook, whatever that would be. And we would come up with situations where a guest, you know, asks you where is the restroom or a guest asks you for recommendations on the menu or the guest um, asks you how long it will be for a table and you have to um, hit certain points. So the points that we're looking for would be looking at them in the eye, um, look, thinking about your body language so that you're maybe leaning towards them, your arms are in an open position, um, you're smiling when it's appropriate, you're serious when it's appropriate. So um, demonstrating that sort of EQ or you know emotional intelligence and um, the body language is really important because sometimes people aren't aware, a lot of people aren't aware of how they're holding their body and how that then messages to the people they're talking to. So when you do this in a safe environment, meaning everybody's an employee, everybody's going to have to do this, it actually helps people come out of their shell a little bit. Yeah, and you mentioned... When they practice it, yeah, when they practice it, and then they have to do it with strangers, which is the hardest part, because the strangers after stranger after stranger, um, then it becomes a little more natural. Yeah. And it becomes a skill. Yeah, you mentioned EQ real quick, too, emotional intelligence. Yeah. I think, too, just actually educating your staff on what emotional intelligence is so they're aware of emotional intelligence and that it's a real thing is very important too. not just, you know, throwing it out there as like a a phrase or a saying, but like actually teaching people how the mind works, uh, the emotional part of the mind works and the significance of it. Once people know how things work, they're 10 times more likely to uh, execute better. Do you want to reflect on that? Correct. Correct. Well, first of all, you're hired. <laughs> I'm going to be coming to my next uh, training uh, session because um, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, I mean, when you give people proof when you when you share with them what that means, and, and when I do training sessions, too, I'll talk about the three different types of communication, which is verbal, nonverbal, and vocal. And when you start talking about the talking about what it is, then I'll ask the participants to reflect on, do you have a, an example of when you saw somebody and their body language gave you a very confusing message or their vocal inflections told you one thing, even though their body or their their verbal language was giving you another message. And once people can identify those things, then they, they become much more self-aware. And self-awareness is really at the heart of providing an authentic customer service experience because you've got to sell the whole mm-hmm. package. You know, we've all had those waiters that sort of shimmy up to your table and they're like, oh, weary. And they're like, hey, how are you? You know? Yep. Hey, welcome to such and such place. You know? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, buddy. You know? Yeah. Like, turn it on a little bit. And so when you inspire that self-awareness, then people are like, ooh, wow. Oh, my goodness. What? Wow. You know, they, they start to see it in themselves and they see it in others. And, you know, that's what it, what the training does is, you know, calling those things out when you see it in others or when you see it in yourself. Yeah. So in that, again, it's that safe environment. Everybody's going through it. Everybody has to do it. Um, and it, it becomes less fraught. And I love that the emphasis you put on that self-awareness because they, they say that it's the, uh, I guess the, I don't know, the peak or the, the of emotional intelligence is like, it's all based around what am I doing and how is this affecting other people? Uh, and it's, it's so important. Um, we could have probably a whole nother conversation around emotional intelligence, Uh, (laughs) but if you guys are interested in learning more about emotional intelligence, I, I, I pitch this guy all the time. Daniel Goleman uh, has a series of books out there that I believe are just must read emotional intelligence, social intelligence, uh, primal leadership, or just a few of his books. Do check it out. I'll link to them in the show notes. Uh, Any other resources you can 
think of that people can use to learn more about that EQ, emotional intelligence? Um, well, there's a book that is, uh, it's using emotional intelligence, but it's really about um, executive presence. And the book mm. is called EP, Executive Presence. Oh. Um, and executive in restaurants doesn't always equate, but the idea of being a powerful um, leader or powerful manager with presence does. Um, and this book, it, the, the woman who wrote it did in, tons and tons of studies and interviews with people to find out what resonates in leaders. And it's all about the way you, the way you talk, the way you act, and then your gravitas, mm. you know, like your, your bearing. Um, and that, that book is fascinating because it, it, it takes emotional intelligence sort of the next level and has you apply it, apply your intelligence so that you can present yourself as the most powerful leader you can be. And that was EP executive presence. Was that right? EP. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And that's the first time mentioned on the show. So I'm excited to go check it out myself. Um, cool. Let's Great. move on to the next topic, uh, which is around uh, decency in the new, or sorry, decency is the new incredible. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I devoted a whole chapter to my book on decency. And, you know, you always hear people like, oh, it's going to be amazing. Or, you know, just you're, you're so incredible or you're so great or you're so amazing. Um, those words are really hard to quantify, right? Amazing to me might be different mm -hmm. to you. Um, so we, we really need to be clear on what it is we need people to do. But when we're talking about customer service, it's really about being humane. It's about thinking of others. It's about being considerate. And when you think about it, those are all very decent things. And decency has gotten a really bad rap. People, we think of decent now as being less than good. And actually, if you define it, it's, it's way better than good. It's like upstanding. It's you know really solidly good. Um, so decency has gotten a bad rap. But really, when you think about just being decent to others, it brings down the uh, bar in a way that people can really grab onto it when you think about being decent. Um, so it's really about being humane. It's really about being thoughtful. It's really about considering the other person in front of you and doing what you can in that moment. So decency is really pretty incredible when you think about it. I'm a, for fun. I just like to look up words now. It's like one of my new hobbies, like, cause we just throw around these words and like, don't yeah. really know the weight of them. And so real quick decency, uh, conforming with generally accepted standards of respectable or moral behavior. So, I mean, there is some that of that standard phrase in there, but that whole word, the whole idea of being respectable and moral carries a lot yeah. of weight. That's um, right. Awesome. And I think like, you know, like the examples I always think of are when somebody leaves their credit card behind in a restaurant, you don't, you don't just say, Oh, too bad. You know, you go outside, you look for that person on yeah. the sidewalk, you know, you run down the street. If you see them, you know, turning the corner, <laughs> you know, that's pretty decent, but it's also pretty amazing that somebody would walk, run down the street to give you your credit card. But it's also, of course I would, you know, it's, it's just sort of one of those simple things, I, you oh, know, man. it's like people do amazing things all in the, in the, you know, spirit of decency. I know, love that you moral ground. <laughs> I love that you use that example because it's the example I always use. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I can't wrap my mind around somebody who would see a, a wallet on the side of the road and think to themselves, sweet score. Right. Right. I, I, I've never, I, I, the first thing I think is like, Oh my God, that is awful. I would hate to lose my wallet. Like, let's find out who this belongs to get their name, find them on Facebook. Like I can't like, it's, it's kind of scary that there are some people out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that is like one way to definitely like gauge somebody to find out what yeah. their character is, is like, that's like the perfect example. Um, right. So 
on this topic of decency is the new incredible. Uh, one thing that I've we, or we've discussed on the show with the past guests is the whole idea of food kind of hitting a ceiling as far as the quality. I mean, we, we've, we're getting so good at doing food. Well, uh, across the boards, like restaurants across the boards are, are raising the standard on food. So it's in my opinion that the restaurants of the future that really stand out, that really pull ahead are going to be those restaurants that create a culture that really is all about taking care of their people, their community, their guests, their, their employees, and create those purposes, those missions that are really just inspiring. And I feel like this this topic really relates to that. What do you think? Oh, 100%. Because um, that's the thing. I mean, like, um, you know, everything can be the top. But if it's not combined with something authentic, with something true, with something, um, you know, really uh, the word I'm sort of feeling is sort of like tactile or... Um, you know, something that you can grasp, it's just going to be all, uh, I don't know, fluff somehow. You've got to be able to uh, combine greatness with, you know, an everyday sense of purpose. Um, Otherwise, nobody's going to care. Um, So, you know, I I agree with you. I think, you know, food is, is a really great expression of sort of everything that we're talking about, because it's about nourishing people. And if it doesn't serve to nourish on some level, whether it's, you know, uh, gustatorially or nutritionally or also emotionally, um, then there's sort of an opportunity that's being missed in, in, in that delivery of that item. You know, in some things, you know, when you see these sort of like Doritos covered, super fried, you know, foods, like one could say, well, that's, you know, that's not even food. There's no nutritional value, but it's delivering something. Right, it's delivering some sort of feeling or memory or association or fun or craziness. You know, it's um, even the things that are seemingly um, outrageous can also have some sort of balance of uh, sort of you know that down to earth home feeling. And I think that's the thing. Some of the, you know some high level restaurants get a bad rap for being so so not even over the top, but just being so um, uh, ethereal that they don't have any basis in the everyday. And I think the, the every, the sort of everyday, and I think that's, that's that trend of farm to table. People want to feel the everydayness. They want to feel the authenticity. They want to feel, um, a connection to, you know, the way life really is. Um, that not everything has to be over the top or outrageous to get, get people's attention. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, like I said before, like it's just the, the, I feel like the way we're going, the industry is going is back towards being human. Uh, there's, we've kind yeah. of gotten away from that. Uh, so much focus on the bottom line and creating the concept and the experience that like, there's almost like a, a starvation for people just getting back to like caring for one another. And that brings it back yeah. to the whole being decent is the, the it's hard to do. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, right. it's hard to show up every day and just care, exist to serve others, to be on this planet, to, to make, about everybody else and to me that's what decency is and if you can do that well uh you're going to attract onto yourself better talent you're going to attract onto yourself people who are more loyal uh there's just so many incredible benefits to it yeah and it's um you can think of it one of two ways you can think of it as being incredibly hard you can also think of it as being somewhat easy you know when you really just look at um what people are coming in and what their expectations are because people not everyone's going to be incredibly needy they're going to have a different range of needs um, that you can satisfy because they are coming to you very clearly saying, I need, 
right? I need a drink. I need a plate of food. I need to be uplifted. I need to get out of my office. I mean, they have all sorts of needs that we're going to fill in our restaurant. And some of them are really, really easy to do. You know, sometimes just smiling at somebody and remembering their orders makes their their day, you know, I mean, I know that works. That goes a really long way with me when I'm a guest. It's like, oh my God, do you remember yeah. that I like this chair? Or little <laughs> tiny things, you know, a chair can make my day. But yeah, these little things can. So there's a, a real high satisfaction ratio when you really get into it that can be incredibly um, gratifying. You know, it's really easy to make people happy. Um, you just have to tune in to what they need and what they want and, and ask them questions and find out what will truly satisfy. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, we have one more topic to discuss, but before we dive into it, I, think, I feel like this might be a lengthy one. Uh, we got to take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. Nobody likes doing paperwork. If you have a growing group of restaurants and find yourself wishing you could snap your fingers and have all of your invoices and AP instantly disappear from your plate, then you need to call Sorcery. Sorcery is used to make owning and operating a restaurant a breeze. Instead of dreading invoices, you'll be delighted to be synced with every vendor. With your new relationships, you can work on negotiating the best price to improve your margins and Sorcery's biggest super power is that they watch the prices you pay across the kitchen from dry goods to proteins to produce and when citrus skyrockets you'll know to update your recipes before you end up kicking yourself at the end of the quarter to learn more head over to www.getsorcery.com or find the banner in the show notes if you mention restaurant unstoppable at checkout you'll get your first month free yep so we're back and the third topic kate suggested we dive into is uh is it risky to talk about the hashtag me too in the restaurant biz um so what is in case somebody isn't familiar with the hashtag me too explain that real quick well, the Me Too movement is really around women coming forward and saying that they have endured sexual harassment while on the job. So is the Me Too in the restaurant biz, is it is it risky to talk about Me Too in the restaurant biz? So is it? 
Yeah, and I sort of meant that as a risky on the show to talk about it. You know, I mean, it's, oh, okay. it's a <laughs> potent topic. Um, but is it risky? I don't. I think it's actually um, becoming less and less risky because it is a hashtag. You know, it's becoming a movement. Um, I think back in the day, and of course, I've been in the business a really long time, and I've seen the evolution of this, and I've seen things come out of the closet, and it's. Um, about time, quite frankly. So I think it's actually less risky now than ever, which is quite a relief. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, both shocking and uh, disappointing and empowering to hear all these brave women I know. and men come it, forward with their stories. It is definitely a, a touchy subject and one that has me wanting to tiptoe around it just because, I, you know, there's so many, like, sensitive nerves you can hit when talking about this and different opinions um, I agree with you that it is refreshing that women are finding the courage and they feel like they can speak up and defend themselves. Um, do you want to dive more into that before I share anything else? I kind of want to get your take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's um, one of these things. Um, it recently came up because I was training the topic for a client and um, I shared a, a sort of Me Too story that didn't have a happy ending. And um, it was it. it, it ended up serving a very important pers- purpose and that we ended up deep diving into the idea of how how do you address this there's no there is no tying it up with a bow yeah and it's this not black and white either it is not <laughs> yeah. it is not and so um but i think the the most important thing that anybody who is enduring anything um is that you 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 sit you state your discomfort you state that it's something that you you don't feel good about you're uncomfortable with you don't think is appropriate but you have to state that um because i think people are either going to be like oh well, oh gee gosh i'm so sorry or they're going to persist and when they persist then they're telling you that they you know they don't really care what you what you say so in that case then it becomes very very clear um, you know, who you're dealing with and then sort of what, what that is, because sometimes, you know, it, is it innocent? Is it not innocent? Did somebody misread a situation? Okay, well, maybe they misread, misread a situation, but if somebody really forcefully, um, you know, try and aggressively trying to harass you, that's, that's a very different situation. Yeah. And you, you pointed out some key things that I want to put emphasis on. Do they persist? Are they doing it continuously? Is it a one and done thing? Or are they like really, like a predator about it. And before I I go any further, I just want to make sure it's clear that there are people out there that are victims and there are creepy predators out there that will, that have malicious intents and are just disrespectful. And I want to recognize that it's a real matter. And it's, it's, it's something that's definitely that, that needs to you know be addressed. But then we start talking about the gray area, right? Where I think it's great that women are speaking up. And I think that that's very good. But are these people persisting? And are you saying something to them? I think there's there is. Well, let me ask you, do you think that women should be uh, more aggressive about letting their feelings be known before reporting them? Well, I think it's about that. I think it's about stating how that feels. So we have to remember that in HR, right, um, harassment is any unwanted behavior or attention. So that means if somebody is staring at you and you don't mind, then that's not harassment. But if somebody's staring at you, if somebody's like coming to your business and staring at you, that would be considered harassment because I don't like it and I don't know who that guy is and he stares at me and it's distracting to my work, right? Um, similarly, with any action that, that is not going to work for you. So the idea of um, standing up for yourself and saying, hey, that doesn't work for me. Hey, I'm not comfortable with that. Hey, that doesn't feel so great. Or, hey, I wish you would stop that. 
um, I think those are all um, appropriate ways to stand up for yourself in the workplace and to establish that, you know, you're exhibiting a behavior or uh, some sort of pattern here that I, I don't appreciate, and I'm, and I'm letting you know that. Um, so now you can either persist or you can desist, you know, um, so that, that, that sort of saying, making it clear. So what's the and first the course thing, of like action? You, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know if you've seen, there's uh, another uh, restaurateur, Ken Friedman, who's been in the paper recently or, you know, online recently, and there's um, screenshots of text where he's persisting again and again and again and again and again. And the woman keeps saying, no, 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 yeah, no. And that's a perfect and I mean, example. Like, that's, yeah. Yes. So, but you know, there's people who, that you would say, oh, I, I, I don't appreciate that you, um, you uh, called me, you know, baby cakes, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody might be like, ah, oh, lighten up baby cakes, you know, and that would be like, ugh. Yeah. yeah like, right. Or or the they might be like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. Like your name's Jennifer. I'm you know, I'm sorry, Jennifer. You're right. I shouldn't call you baby cakes. You know what I mean? So it depends on how the other person does it. But if you you express that that doesn't feel so great for you, and they don't heed that, that to me is when it now needs to you know need to seek seek help, see if it needs to escalate. You know what I mean? Remove yourself from the situation, et cetera. Yeah. And it's hard when you're working because especially if it's an internal. Uh, effect, meaning a, a boss manager owner is the one persisting, that that becomes a very different power play than if it's somebody, uh, a guest, a customer, um, somebody that, you know, we could you know, potentially say can't come in anymore, you know, but when it's the owner and the boss, it's sort of like, this is where women and, you know, any any subject of this has been in a very awkward position because you, you don't, you don't really have a recourse. Yeah. You, you get, you you stay and you endure it or you, or you leave. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough because, oh man, it's, it's you got to be really careful talking about this stuff. Uh, I, like I said, I don't, I don't condone, I don't support rude or just malicious behavior. Uh, but you know, I've been sexually harassed in the restaurant industry. I, I've right. had girls walk up behind me in credit card swipe me. I'm not going to define what that is right now. I want to respect you, but it, it's not good behavior. And I feel like if Correct. I were to turn around and do that same exact thing to a female, it wouldn't go very well. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's almost a double standard and I, cause I know a lot working in the restaurant industry. I know a lot of females who are very sexual and are very open about it. And I, I've been asked repeatedly uh, to come home. Like, please bring me home with you. And like, it's like puts you in a really uncomfortable position. I don't know. I feel like men are more likely to just kind of shrug it off and like ignore it and move on and go with it. But women are much more likely to, and correct me if I'm wrong. And I, and I feel like women will go to, uh, I guess management faster than men will. Uh, and is that, is that not right to say? It's to, to me, it's about the person and it's about your personal style in doing that. And I feel for you because as, as a waiter, I too, you know, had similar situations as you're, as you're talking about. And it's a judgment call for yourself in that moment. Like, is this person drunk? Are they, are they going to move along and I'll never see them again? Am I just going to avoid them for the rest of the shift? These are all things that we have to deal with, you know, as people serving beverages <laughs> in a busy and, um, what people would call a sexy atmosphere. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, I think it's really about how you do it. So there's, you know, it's about personal style because, you know, you you could also simply, you know, you or I or anybody could,
could say something that would just let them know like, oh, wow, wow, I did not expect that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's yeah. awfully close. You know, like there's different ways to handle it without without pointing a finger and saying like, you know, you, you can't do that to me. Yeah. You know, it's a very different thing. So, you know, like I know I learned ways of, you know, sort of disarming the situation by, you know, sort of calling it out in a in a sort of just in the way I did, you know, like, oh, wow, that's that's a little tight. Oh, you know, that's a little too tight for me. Yeah. Gee, yeah. Not not interested. But thanks. You know, like calling it out with a, a little lightness, but also a little um, clarity. Yeah. So that was my way of figuring it out. And I think that's what people do have to figure out what they're comfortable with or not comfortable with. You know, I'm a tall woman who, you know, I think people take me seriously when I say stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were a, you know, different shape, size, color, it might be a different thing. I don't know. I might have to work on it a different way, but I've also known people of different sizes, shapes, and colors who, you know, can very clearly be the boss of that situation. So, you know, it's about finding your own personal personal way of standing up for yourself. No, I, I, I hear you. And it's, it's tough for me because, like, I, I get that I'm not a female, and I and, and I've not, never been in that situation where I have a real aggressive male uh, coming after me constantly. And, and, and it's I know it happens, and I'm so you know, simple or just, I guess the word is empathetic for those people that right. are experiencing this. I haven't lived it, but there is a part of me. I mean, as, as bad as I think it is to be inappropriate and to prey on somebody, I, there is a part of me that that's the realist and knows that we don't live in a perfect world and that everything isn't black and white. And I think about somebody like Mario Batali, who's dedicated so much of his life to his career into building this, this empire um, to lose it all you know, because right. of a few allegations where we don't know the details of that situation. And I'm speculating. I'll admit that I'm speculating. I don't know the details. He could have been a real creep. He could have been, but he also could have been uh, playing around in the kitchen. Uh, you know, like a lot of people do where that behavior is accepted between men and women, because let's be honest in the early small, like the days when we were a small restaurant, like, uh, you know, things happen. Like this is a reality podcast where people are sexual in nature they do things. It's not appropriate, but is it worth throwing away someone's entire career, their empire? You know, it, it's, I don't know. I've, am I being unrealistic or tell me? Well, I think it's about that idea of, you know, what is appropriate? What isn't appropriate? I mean, so many of these, um, and I, I grew up in it as well, where people are very comfortable to operate however they want to. And they're sort of forgetting the fact that people are their their, their livelihoods are, uh, dependent on this job, yeah. and they're going to have to put up with it. The, the the people tend to forget and get too comfortable with the fact that there are people here who rely on this, mm-hmm. and their comfort is is as important as my comfort. And that's where the power dynamics are um, out of whack. So if the owner is like, oh, I'm just playing around, well, back to harassment. Well, it didn't feel like you were playing around. Yeah. It felt like I was being aggressively... Um, you know, pursued or prevented from, you know, leaving the small little office, or I felt that you were trying to put pressure on me or what you said was really inappropriate. You know, like all those things become, then it's, it's not about anybody else. It's about the person who's the perpetrator saying, well, you need to lighten up. You know, what's your problem? Like I was just joking. But if your employee comes to you and says, I didn't appreciate that. Wow. I would be the first person to be like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. That is not what I intended. I never Mm -hmm. meant to make you feel that way. And that's what we're not hearing. Mm -hmm. In any Mm -hmm. of these situations, we're not hearing, oh my goodness, that is not what I meant. In fact, we're hearing an admission of, actually, that is what I meant. 
you know, even in the in the Batali situation, it, he doesn't even know who the perpetrators are, and he says, "Yep, that's that sounds like me." So that's the problematic part. He doesn't even have to have a name on it to say, "Yeah, that was probably what I did," you know. And so, you know, there's the idea that um, there it's about protections for people in the workplace because people don't show up to to be. Um, to be victimized or to be hypersexualized or to be, you know, um, there for fun and games when they're there to work, they're mm-hmm. there to work, they're there to get a paycheck. Yep. So that's where it's, um, that's where it, the, the power dynamics are, are skewed. Um, and it becomes unfair for the worker who really just wants to work, yep. just wants to put in their hours yep. and uh, not have to go through these, these things. I hear you. I think that the, the two lessons, um, to take away from this conversation is one, uh, just be respectful. Uh, don't, don't, I mean, just don't assume everybody has that same, I guess, outgoing personality where they are comfortable with their sexuality or you making passes on them. They can shrug it off. Don't assume anything. Just respect everyone. Uh, and the other thing is communicate. If you feel like somebody, uh, is, I guess being aggressive towards you or making, uh, aggressions on you and you don't want it, uh, just be as blunt as possible uh, and make it as clear as possible. Cause that person might struggle with reading social cues. Uh, and that's a real right. part of it too. Like not everybody is exactly the same. We might have strong social intelligence and emotional intelligence, but not everybody does. And they might be misreading something. So be like explicitly clear. And if it continues, then absolutely defend yourself, stand up, defend yourself. Um, and I hope I didn't offend anybody today with being kind of a realist. Um, do you think I took it too far? Do I think what? Do you think I took it too far? No, I think that's why I was saying is it too risky to talk <laughs> about, but I think that's that's the thing is that it is, you know, it is risky because it, it hits all sorts of nerves for people. Yeah. And especially for those of us working in the business, you know, there's some folks who are like, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, well, maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Well, that's, yep. that's the way I came up. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know, if somebody, it's like the whole thing, it's not funny if people aren't laughing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you're just making fun of somebody and nobody else really thinks that's funny, then it's not really it's not really funny. It's not a yeah. joke anymore, you know? So that's, that's one of those things. And I, I see the thing where it's like, um, you know, there's, there's, there's jokes among colleagues where everyone's on the same level and you can have a different level of joking in that level. But once you become a manager, once you're an owner, once there's a level where you have a higher level of authority and power, it changes everything incredibly, incredibly. And that's what I think people are a little surprised by in themselves. They don't realize that things have changed. Um, so they're like, yeah, but I used to flirt with everybody. Well, you're the manager now. You're, you're an owner. You can't flirt with everybody. I know. You know what I mean? You've got to control yourself. You know, it, it's, so I think it's, it's a level of surprise, but I think, you know, that's what also has to be re- reiterated is that when you are a manager, when you are an owner, you have to realize that these people are, are, you're not at the same level and, um, you have to show the utmost respect and, uh, you know, back to decency. You have to show decency to people. You yeah. have to be decent to them. I get, you know, I, I definitely sympathize, sympathize for both sides. And, um, I think with the situation, like with Mario Battaglia, for example, um, this is a guy who came up in the culture that wasn't today. It was, but the culture was 20 years ago, a lot different. And I feel like things are coming out of the woodwork that happened a long time ago that maybe he's evolved and he's matured and he might have gotten rid of some of those bad habits as he grew his business and realized, wow, I really shouldn't be acting like this. I mean, when did these things happen? Were they recently or a long time ago? Do you know specifically? Uh, sounds like 
the the major stories are from a while ago, but I you know I've also heard that these things are not isolated. Yeah. You know, so that people are like the 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 reputation is there, and I mean that's the thing. I mean, like I I come up from the same era, and I've never sexual harass somebody. You know what I mean? There yeah, I hear you. are other well-known chefs with empires who are not, you know, predators in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, you everybody makes choices every single day because he could have had those interactions, he could have handled them differently. He could have, you know, in 1998, you know, turned around, sent a letter and say, "I think I as as I reflect on this period of time, I realize that my actions were yeah. really out of line and I want to apologize. You know, yeah. like every day you have a choice. Yep. And so that, you know, that nothing ever happened and that, you know, potentially uh, these actions persisted, that that's where it's problematic. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. where the, the image and the reality are not the same. All right. I should probably move on before I lose too many listeners. Um. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this is, you're probably going to gain listeners. Oh, who knows? Uh, Topics. Oh, man. And one more thing I want to bring up um, that I'm curious about. It's kind of, it's it's roughly related to this topic of sexual harassment, but a weird angle. Uh, and I want to get your take on it. So I was recently having a conversation. We won't mention the name of the restaurant uh, with a manager and a server on the topic of women using their sexuality towards customers to make more money being appropriate. What do you think? Well, back to sort of the idea. Um, and I don't know that I mentioned this before, but I think we've sort of need to change the rule book here in terms of what's appropriate in restaurants. So back to the fact that, you know, like you shouldn't have to be subjected to, to rudeness from your boss on the, on the flip side, you know, is it, is it a sexualized environment? And it sometimes is right. Um, there's the idea that, you know, like hooters and tilted kilt and places like that that are there to um, sort of exploit feminine wiles um, in order to sell burgers and beer, there's a sort of an understanding that that's okay with a certain uh, part of the population. Um, and then there's a certain part of the population that that's not really okay at all. So, um, you know, I think there are people who, you know, use what they've got in order to make a sale and that will work with a certain individual and it won't work with other individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, there's one way to look at it, which is, you know, no, I mean, it's food and beverage. It's not, you know, sex and rock and roll, you know, but then somebody else could argue, but our concept is about, you know, selling sex, beauty and yeah. sexuality. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's I don't weird. know if there's a hard and fast rule because it, it does exist. What is it? What if it's um, a cafe? So, jeez, <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, it's about the brand and this is something that I write very extensive, uh, you know, guidelines for what people should wear. Um, and mostly the guidelines include things around skirt length and, you know, how deep a V-neck can be and how much skin is involved and can you show an armpit? You know, there's a lot of detail that goes into that. So I think the same thing has to happen, whether it's a cafe, whether it's a restaurant, um, to be clear on what it is you are presenting because each person is going to present your brand. So, you know, as a manager, as an owner, you've got to define what that is. And, you, I mean, we see it. We go to um, sort of swanky, you know, hotel bars and, you know, the waitress is barely wearing anything. You know what I mean? That is a choice on behalf of the owners to say we, we're going to we're going to show these patrons a certain kind of time and the people that show up and choose to accept that job and that that outfit and, you know, the the tips that might come along with it, they're they're accepting that, too. On the flip side, you know, you can go to a 
any other, you know, sort of basic restaurant and everybody is wearing a shirt with a tie tied up to the neck, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think it's about the owner and the operator decide what place that is and then, you know, be clear with anybody who's hiring, like what type of place they're, they're providing, you know. So, I mean, there is definite sexism in our world, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, whether it's, you know, girls in short skirts or whether it's, you know, t- you know guys without shirts in front of Abercrombie and Fitch, you know what I mean? It's, it's the exact same thing. Um, but it's, you know, using you know, the female female or male form to try to sell other products. Yeah. You know, that's basically what it is. I feel like what, um, even beyond the female or male form, the, the physicality of it, the emotional suggestive, uh, like flirting, uh, or leading on. And, I don't know. I feel like almost that's a, a form of sexual harassment because what will end up happening is these men are reading into these cues that you're giving or, or vice versa. These women are reading into your cues. Uh, they're coming in and then when they ask you on a date, they're a creep because you're just doing your job. You know what I mean? It gets really kind of, I don't know. I kind of feel for some of these people sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree that it's very confusing. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, um, you are sometimes just doing your job and you know it's confusing too for a manager who the one outfit on the tall, skinny girl looks like the outfit, and the one outfit on the more curvaceous girl looks like a very different outfit. You know, it's hard. It's very difficult when you're like, you know, that that that's too that's it's too revealing on one person, and you're they're like I'm wearing the same thing. You know, it's like that's when that's when it's a very hard thing sometimes to address or to manage, which is why then you have to say, you know, the shirt is two inches from the collarbone. But I mean, you know, despite what people are wearing, yes, there are, you know, mores and actions that people will display um, when they're at work. You know, Mm. there might be somebody that leans in closely or has a certain kind of voice. But, you know, I I know also when I was a waitress, I was a waitress and I was trying to make my money and people would have all sorts of associations with what that meant and, you know, try to take advantage. I'm like, no, I'm I'm just trying to make my money, you 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 know, and it's like, but they'd be like, oh, but you're, you know, leaning in so close. I'm like, yeah, it's a thousand decibels of noise in here and I can't hear anything. You know what I mean? So I'm not leaning in to show you anything. I'm leaning because I can't hear you, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's 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 a very um there's so much gray area um but that's where you know you're back to sort of the the body language and all those sort of things you have to be clear on that and i always had to be clear on you know you you learn as a server like how to be straight up you know you learn how to lean in without looking like you're you know trying to give my a shot of your parts you know it's like but you know still there will be people who misconstrue yeah, well, I'm curious. There will always be people. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. What about the colleague to colleague sexual harassment in the sense of using your sexuality to get ahead? Have you seen that? Using your sexuality to get ahead. Um, gosh, I don't know if I've seen it, but I know it exists. Mm. I mean, know? is that a form of sexual harassment using your physical attributes or your ability to flirt uh, to? get opportunities would you say that's sexual harassment or harassing somebody uh leading them on to mislead them is that harassment i don't know if we can call it harassment if the person doesn't find it uh offensive right so you know if somebody's like they they keep hitting on me in order to get a job and i don't like it that would be different but if they keep hitting on me to get a job and i like it and i'm going to give them a job that would be something else entirely you know what i mean it it's it's a it's a very hard thing to say cuz you know is it i'm throwing some curveballs at you here that, <laughs> I would, yeah <clears throat> but i would agree that it's not professional yeah yeah you know? 
it's a, it should be about your skills exactly. and your ability to do the job. You know, and I think that that would be, there might be, I would say less harassment, but more coercion. I hear you. Cool. Well, you know. thank you for entertaining me and really <laughs> letting me throw these questions at you that are not easy to answer. You handled them yeah. very well. And I think it was a really good conversation. I think that we kind of address some things that aren't so cut and clear. And uh, like I said, I mean, it, it's a real issue, um, but like, I think we make a lot of assumptions sometimes too. So we have to really be careful. I, I think before, you know, slandering names, I just, I, I, I see both sides. I'm very kind yeah. of, you know, it, it's tough and I, I, I empathize for both sides and um, I hope that, you know, things do change for the better. Absolutely. Um, no, I think, I think it's time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else we didn't discuss that you would like to cover in the, the time we have left? Um, no, nothing specific comes to mind. Okay. Um, how can we connect with you if uh, we, or maybe follow your work, or what's the best way to kind of uh, be in your tribe? Sure. Um, you can check on my website, kateedwardsconsulting.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at kateedwardsnyc. Um, and those are, the, those are pretty much the best places to follow me. Um, you can see my um, customer service and table service videos on tipsy.com. And I just recently did a customer service uh leadership course or series of courses on creativelive.com. There's uh, six hours of courses there. So check it out. Awesome. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much, Kate, for coming back and uh, just, you know, doing what you do, uh, covering a topic that you're very well versed in multiple topics, uh, just around culture and service and uh, behavior. Uh, I would love to have you back maybe some time again in the future. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, some tough conversations to have today. Uh, just a quick summary of what we covered uh, today. Increasingly, with those open concept restaurants, you really need to be aware of who you're hiring because it's that front of house and back of house is kind of bleeding together uh, and you're seeing more back of house and front of house. So you, you need to be hiring people that have that hospitality gene who live to serve in our social and are willing to look up and smile and answer questions and to acknowledge the guests. It's, it's very important. So do filter for that during the recruiting process. Uh, also, we talked about decency uh, is the new incredible. And I love this concept of we're moving in the direction where, where we're being more human, where we care more about human needs than the bottom line. And I think we've seen uh, a point in the food and beverage industry where food has kind of hit a ceiling where the quality of food can't get too much better, maybe more creative. I think we're going to continue to see different creative outlets. But as far as the quality goes, we're kind of hitting the ceiling. So the restaurants that are really going to pull ahead in the future are those restaurants that have that decency about them, who care for their guests and their inner guests, their employees and their communities, and really live for that purpose to be decent, to be moral, to, to, to leave this world better than when they came into it. And I think that's the way of the future for those who are going to be the most successful in this industry, which makes me so excited. And hopefully through these interviews, you're learning how to become more decent. And then lastly, uh, this was the big one. Uh, it took up the majority of today's conversation, uh, the conversation around uh, hashtag me too and harassment in the restaurant business. And it's tough because this industry is kind of notorious for being 
ass grabby and very sexual. Uh, we're sexual people in nature. Uh, you can't ignore that. We're human beings and part of our human existence is being sexual. But where do you draw the line? Uh, as I think what you need to ask yourself. And if you ever feel like you are being harassed, please know that we live in a world today that you can speak up, defend yourself, let it be known. Uh, it's not acceptable. If, if the, the situation exists where you are being uh, pursued uh, and they are relentless, uh, speak up, but at least do it. Say something to the person first and make sure you're giving them the opportunity to stop because sometimes people just misunderstand uh, and they don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. They might just not understand that you're not into it. And that's a reality that we need to realize. And I kind of sympathize, sympathize sometimes for people who have uh, management come after them uh, when they didn't realize that they were had taken it too far or that, that they're offending or scaring or uh, making somebody feel uncomfortable. So you can't communicate too much. You can't be too clear. Just know that and know that we are increasingly living in a community in a, in our, sorry, in a society where you can say something. So do say something if you feel that way. Uh, what else? Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, like always, guys, please do reach out to me, uh, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Let me know what topics you want discussed. Let me know what experts you want answers for or who you want answers from. I'll get them on the show. We'll learn together. Uh, if there's somebody, a restaurateur, a guy or gal in your community who is just crushing it, who is a leader uh, in your community, put them on my radar. I'll get them on the show. We'll learn from them together as well. Uh, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. I do accept donations. So this podcast is free. Let's keep it free. Every little bit helps. But the best way to help, the best way to support this show is by sharing it. Who is somebody you know that could benefit from these stories, from this advice, from these people spreading their mentorship. You are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And this podcast is one way to surround yourself with the great. So please share this resource. It's, it's a great gift to give. That's it for today. Thank you guys for sticking around this long. And until next time, peace out.